Do Americans really get to vote and choose their leaders? The answer may surprise you today on the podcast. Well, welcome to the podcast today. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today I wanted to just briefly talk about how politics really works. Because you know, politics and religion, those are two things that are always heated topics of, of discussion and debate. And there's a lot of circles where they're just not appropriate to talk about and people don't want to talk about politics and religion, but they're the two most important things in almost anyone's life because they determine, you know, uh, your religion determines what God you serve, how you walk that out and what where you'll spend eternity in politics determine you know, what your life is going to look like right now. And in America, those two things have always been the cornerstone of, of our civil life and, and our culture. But one of the interesting things, when I think about American culture and politics, and this is somewhat of a, a sacred cow, the holy grail of, of kind of the American lifestyle, is talking about how we actually elect and, and find our leaders. And most people believe that it's it's very important to vote for the right people. And while I'm not going to take issue with that, I, I do believe it's, a, it's very important to vote for the right people, be very well educated on the issues. There's something much larger at play going on. And I think as believers, we should be very aware of how this actually works. See, politics is a little bit of a, uh, we know that politics is a game, but that there's a lot more game going on than we may realize from time to time. And if you have your Bible with you right now, I want you to turn uh, and put your, your thumb on three different passages, four different passages, and that's 1 Kings 12, 2 Samuel 24, 1 Chronicles 21, and Romans 13. That's a lot, but, but uh, I want you to read through those today after we get done with the podcast, because I think they'll be very insightful. And I want to spend a couple more podcasts after today kind of developing some of these things a little bit further because I think that they're very worthy of our thought and our prayers, our concerns, as we kind of move closer to the precipice in the United States of of some very negative things happening. And most people that I, I, I listen to or I talk to believe that it's really the politics that are determining how things are going in this nation. But 1 Kings 12 tells a very interesting story. And that is, uh, the backstory of 1 Kings 12 is that Solomon sinned against the Lord. King Solomon of Israel sinned against the Lord by marrying multiple women, but many women who were not Jewish. They were from other nations. They were largely political marriages in, in a lot of ways. And what ended up happening is Solomon ended up worshiping the idols that these women from their nations worshipped as well, their gods, which was very, uh, very clearly and very strictly prohibited by God. He, the Lord told the Israelites not to marry foreign women because they would end up serving their gods. And that's exactly what Solomon did. And so the Lord prophesied and promised to Solomon that he was going to rip the nation away from, he was going to split it into two kingdoms, but he would wait until after he was dead. And so that ended up happening during the lifetime of his son, Rehoboam. What's very interesting in 1 Kings 12 is that Rehoboam, after he becomes king, he uh, a, a, a group of, of constituents, if you will, some of his subjects come to him and say, your father Solomon was very hard on us 
and made us work very difficult. Will you continue like your father Solomon or will you lighten up on us? And Rehoboam said, go away for three days and then come back and I'll give you my answer. And in those three days, he sought counsel and he sought counsel from the elders of Israel who told him, give them a a favorable answer and they'll love and serve you. He didn't like that, that advice. So he went to his young friends and the people he'd grown up with. And they said, you know, give him a harsh answer and tell him you're going to be harder on them than, than your father Solomon was. And he liked that answer. Now, with hindsight, we look at that and because we can read the story in 1 Kings 12 and we can just look at the foolishness of that. It makes perfect sense to us. But in the, in the midst of that, Rehoboam could not see it. He could not see how foolish what he was about to do was. And he went and he gave them a harsh answer. And a rebellion immediately sprung up that he couldn't suppress because it was from the Lord. This was prophecy being fulfilled in Rehoboam's lifetime. He couldn't stop it. The whole thing was a divine setup. Rehoboam, although he was making his own decisions, and that's one of those things where the sovereignty of the Lord is a, 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 a very difficult thing to wrap your mind around. But Rehoboam was set up from the Lord. He made his own decision, but it, it still fulfilled the prophecy of the Lord that he was going to split the kingdom in two. And so it's, it's a very interesting thing to think about these leaders that God put in place. Even though they were making their own decisions, it was the Lord calling the shots. It was the Lord moving things into place that he had already determined were going to happen. The same thing happened to King David. It's a very interesting story in, in King David's lifetime because we remember Rehoboam was not, uh, did not serve the Lord like King David did or even like Solomon did. And so it's probably a little bit more believable that Rehoboam would have screwed up like he did. But David is the man that that scripture tells us he was the man after God's own heart. And so it's a little bit more interesting to think about these two passages. They're parallel passages in 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21. They tell the same story, but they tell it a little bit differently. In 2 Samuel 21, it starts out and says that the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So there was some sin. We don't know. It doesn't tell us what it was. But there was some sin that was going on amongst the people in the nation of Israel. Not necessarily within David himself, but something that was going on within Israel that the Lord had proclaimed judgment on. And so the Lord incited David to take a census, a sinful census of the people. And what's interesting is, is David could not see that this was sinful. Uh, Joab, in both passages, 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21, says that Joab pleaded with David not to do this. Now, Joab was possibly one of the most wicked people that David had around him. And even he could see that this was a bad idea, that this was going to be sinful, that this was wicked. But David couldn't see it because he had been set up. Now, the interesting thing, for 2 Samuel tells us it was the Lord that incited it. And 1 Chronicles 21 says it was Satan incited David to do this. So I think what we've got going on is a little bit of, of the backstory that we don't see here. Is possibly something like what's happening in Job is Satan comes before the Lord and says, hey, look at, at this nation. They're they're doing this and that. And, and so somehow there's a, a, this interesting give and take that we don't always fully understand in the courts of heaven where the Lord um, actually uses Satan to, uh, to to do his will and prove his point. And, and that's what we see here is 
Second uh, Samuel and First Chronicles are, are parallel passages giving us two sides of the same coin, a little bit different information about the same event. But the interesting thing to note, regardless of who is inciting David to do this, it wasn't David. David was set up to fail. David was set up to fail by God or Satan or both of them somehow because the Lord had purpose in bringing judgment against the sins of this nation. And they weren't necessarily the sins of David. They were the sins of the Israeli people, the Israelites, that God determined to bring judgment on. We don't know what that was, but we're going to trust that the Lord was was true and righteous in his judgments of the people of Israel. And so David was the chosen vessel because he was the leader. And then we look at Romans 13.1. And Paul tells us in Romans 13.1 that no authority is given on earth except by God. It says this, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Now that's a very um, chilling thing to think about. Because in America, we vote for our leaders. We feel like we have the say and who gets chosen. But Paul tells us very clearly, doesn't matter if you're a democracy, if you're a dictatorship, if you're in communism. Paul makes a very bold statement here. It doesn't matter what your political system is. It's the Lord choosing the leaders. And that's a very chilling statement because when we look at Israel, we see leaders like David that were very godly, and we see leaders like Rehoboam, uh, Solomon, who, who really blew it. We see leaders uh, like Manasseh in Israel who were very wicked. Excuse me, in Judah, Manasseh was very wicked. And so there's multiple things going on, but the Lord has established all of those authorities. And so when we vote for our leaders, what we're actually doing is we are choosing the people that God has already chosen for us. So our votes, if you will, in the United States, matter less than our prayers because our prayers are what move the heart of God. Our votes are what enact the will of God because we're not choosing our leaders when we vote. We are voting in the people that God has chosen. And if you've watched the Matrix, Matrix if you think about that for a little bit, it'll, it'll bake your noodle a little bit as far as how that works. But it's absolutely the gospel truth is that we don't select our leaders through voting. If we have any say in who our leaders are going to be, it's through prayer. And we see here that the Lord will use good and bad leaders. David was the best of leaders in the kingdom of Israel throughout its history. And the Lord used him to bring negative judgment against the people. The Lord also used David many times to bring blessing to the people. In the same way, the Lord used wicked leaders to bring judgment and blessings at different times. So it's the Lord who is carrying these things out. And that should give us pause when we think about our politics, when we think about our politicians. Because the way politics really works is that we choose people in America as we vote to rule over us. But what we're doing is we're actually allowing the Lord to rule over us through people. And when we choose those politicians, we give them the authority to actually act for God because he is the one calling the shots and the Lord will work through them 
that is the primary means the Lord has chosen to uh, carry out his will on planet Earth through governments is to actually work through governmental officials, elected officials, appointed officials, dictators, whoever else you can imagine. It's the Lord actually working through them to carry out his will. And one of the things interesting about his will that we see over and over throughout Scripture is that he will act according to what people ask for. If we ask for wickedness, he'll give us wickedness. If we ask for righteousness, he'll give us righteousness. So when you think about the direction that this nation is going, think about politics in a little bit different way. Don't think about how valuable your vote is, although I don't want to diminish the value of a vote. What I want to do is enhance the value of your prayers. Because like I said, your vote will do nothing more than elect the people that God has already chosen. Your prayers have the dignity to move God's heart and change the people that he appoints. So as we look at politics, as we look at our nation crumbling around us, there's very few people that, that don't believe that, na- that America is headed in the wrong direction, and we need changes. As you think about what changes we need, think less about which politicians we need in office and, and what ideologies we need in office. And think more about praying and and seeking the Lord who appoints these men and women. Seek his face. Pray. Fast. Gather people together around you and ask the Lord to appoint the people that maybe not even necessarily we deserve, but the people we need in this hour to lead our nation back to God, back to righteousness, back to to the direction that the Lord would would have for us to bless this nation. Definitely go out and vote. Definitely make yourselves aware of the politics and and the policies and everything that's going on. But more than anything else, seek the Lord. Ask him to appoint godly leadership, men and women of integrity and character. If we do that, then our votes will count. If we fail to ask the Lord to give us godly leadership, and I'm afraid that our votes may not count for near as much as we'd like to think they would. We'll continue this topic next time. Uh, I want to discuss Rehoboam and, and King David a little bit more at length, but I wanted to give you a preview of just some of the things that the Lord's stirring on my heart right now. Is, and I believe we're in a critical time right now where the Lord wants to stir Americans and stir the church in America to begin praying to him to lead and guide and direct this nation as opposed to looking and hoping in politicians who will save us from uh, impending doom, whatever you think that looks like. And I believe if we begin seeking and earnest the Lord in prayer for our nation, he will hear us. You be blessed. We'll see you next time on the podcast. <laughs>